Welcome to Mac and Blue, the cutting-edge podcast for the nation's builders, merging the realms of construction with exciting advancements in technology. Join us on a thrilling journey where we delve into the dynamic world of blockchain, AI, the metaverse, virtual and augmented reality, and their transformative impact on the industry. Our engaging discussions span a wide spectrum, covering not only construction, economic development, supply chain, and market segments, but also exploring the vibrant tapestry of diversity within the construction landscape. We shed light on the intersection of local politics and its profound influence on the construction sector, while championing the remarkable contributions of women and minorities in construction. For all things Mac and Blue, head to www.macandblue.com, and don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. I'm your host, JJ Levinsky. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mac and Blue. I'm your host, JJ Levinsky, CEO and co-founder of Blue Wave General Contracting, amongst other businesses that we have. And I am delighted today to have Tiffany Sharp. Um, welcome, Tiffany. Thank you. Um, for, for those of you that don't know Tiffany, um, I, it was funny. We're sitting here earlier, and I said I apologize to her that we haven't even met in person, and yet we've been in the same circle in the Valley for a lot of years. Yep. Um, and I'd been trying to get uh, uh, Tiffany and one of her co colleagues that's no longer there, it's no big deal, on the show for quite a while. Um, so, uh, again, for those of you that don't know her, I met Tiffany not not literally but figuratively because in my space uh, I do a lot of shell work and everyone used to talk about Tiffany and Sharp Construction being one of the preeminent tenant improvement contractors in town. So um, kudos to you and Thank your you. reputation and all those kind of things. Thank so um, before we get into all the fun stuff, everyone likes to get to know a little bit about you, <laughs> you know, for the audience sake. Um, tell us a little bit about your background as far as like in the valley um you know we can go into the intel stuff because I, I think unpeeling a lot of that okay and some of the cool things that you've been involved with outside of sharp construction okay so if you don't um, mind i'll start from uh, i'm actually from iowa oh, uh, it's already like her then <laughs> uh i i did leave the day after i graduated high school so i'm not a real hawkeye but i still am a hawkeye at heart yeah uh i went to asu for both my bachelor and master programs um graduated with my master's in construction management oh. did that while i was at intel so that's a nice little segue um i was a now, did you go to asu in your undergrad seeking construction management so i actually I, I probably spent about seven years in my undergrad. Oh, the and Tommy Boy plan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She's I a doctor. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I initially started off in architecture and then uh, transferred over into structural engineering and oh. then from structural engineering went into business for my undergrad. Uh, the direction there was I have so many specific uh, courses that were tied to a degree that were not transferable For, into yeah. another degree program. And so my counselor sat down with me and said, you just need to pull something together here. So we did a- Come on, Tiffany, get I your know. shit together, right? Well, you, you essentially have <laughs> two bachelor's degrees, but no actual degree. You have enough courses to create two yeah. bachelor's. So uh, we did an interdisciplinary uh, study degree oh, nice. just to kind of get me out of there. I wasn't ready to go. I, I enjoy school, so I was having fun and wasn't in any big hurry. And there's no shame in that. <laughs> exactly. So much so that I decided to go back. So. So then, what? When you got done with undergrad, then what did you do? So after my undergrad, I was actually working as a project manager for a custom home builder up in North Scottsdale. Oh, really? Uh, Platinum Homes was the name of the company. Um, I essentially started my real career there. I'll say I started my real career there because I did work for an architect prior to that. Um, and I worked for a structural engineering firm up in Flagstaff prior to that as well. Uh, but my full uh, full time, real go to work every single day and being held for strategic responsibilities was when I was at Platinum. Okay. And then um, I was there for about, I wanna say five years, uh, maybe, between five and six years. And it was all high-end custom, right? Very high-end custom. A lot of the work that we did was up in uh, Desert Mountain, Whisper Rock, um, the usual DC culprits. Ranch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I uh, actually was doing quite a bit of work up in Pine Canyon and Flagstaff mm -hmm. as well. So I built some multifamily product up there as oh, well nice. as several custom homes there. And uh, beautiful product, really amazing team. I learned a lot. Uh, Dave Reese was the owner at the time of the company and still to this day is one of my uh, most amazing mentors. Oh, has, nice. has been a mentor to me throughout my career. We'll come back to that. Yeah, okay. So then what, keep going, it's just good. Okay. 
So 2007, we had a huge hit uh, in real estate. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it came at such an kind of uh, kind of an unfortunate time for me because this is right where I'm learning. Um, and there was such a downshift that uh, there were several people being let go. I think that I really got lucky being uh, kind of the lowest on the totem pole at that time and willing mm. to be a sponge and dive in and do anything. I mean, I was the jack of all trades. So I was willing to go help out with scheduling, willing to, you know, uh, help out with running errands, willing to manage projects. And I was taking on a lot of projects in a short period of time. So we had uh, projects in design, projects in pre-construction, projects in construction. And at one point, I think I was managing about 12 projects all by myself. Mm, these are these are big, large yeah. custom homes, right? Um, so yes, I stayed there until about 2012, um, and I I was I had learned a lot, and I was ready to go to the next level. I really wanted to uh, get involved in the commercial construction aspects. Um, I had been applying at Intel for several years, mm -hmm. actually, because I had a couple friends with a family that uh, worked there and had had really talked. Uh, I want to say they were drinking the Kool-Aid, the blue Kool-Aid. <laughs> they talked it up pretty good to the point that I was like, well, there's a construction management position that comes open every once in a while and I just keep applying. After about two years of applying, I was not getting any callbacks. And I'm like, I, I know that I've got the background here. I have the the passion and excited. And I'm, I'm spending all this time writing my cover letters, trying to make sure that they're really uh, getting attention. Mm -hmm. Still nothing. So I decided to research what the email configuration was at Intel. And I shouldn't share it, but I learned what it was. <laughs> it was a specific something dot something at intel.com right okay um so i went on to linkedin and researched somebody in hr that yeah, had HR. enough information for me to figure out what their email was so that i could contact them directly uh i sent my resume a super nice cover letter and uh the job requisition that i was applying for and i had explained that i had been applying for this job for many years and still had not received any like not you know, even feedback, a, a call, nothing. F you, go away, just nothing at all. <laughs> Correct. So uh, I get a phone call from the hiring manager less than 30 minutes later. And not the HR individual. So the HR individual forwarded my email to the hiring manager. Hiring manager calls me. This is within 30 minutes okay. of me sending the email. Uh, we have a good 45-minute discussion. He says, well, I'm really, really disappointed that I haven't seen your uh, resume in all this time. But what it is, is that because of my degree as a Bachelor of Interdisciplinary degree and not a Bachelor of, con I don't have a construction degree at this time. I don't have a... That was the uh, algorithm check, if you will. The algorithm automatically was kicking me out. So my information, my resume, nothing was actually getting through to any human being. So I was just being automatically set sailing um he invited me in for an interview the interview was a uh, highly aggressive full day uh and i think i was interviewed by about 12 people throughout the day wow and i was made an offer that next monday so the interview was on friday got the offer on monday i uh, started about two weeks later and and then that was my career for the next i want to say another five or six years um, I stayed at Intel from 2012 to 2017. Uh, while I was there, I was doing a lot of, I initially signed on to do uh, Chandler 8, which was yep. a 385,000 square foot clean room, uh, rest of world design concept. Um, uh, it was a great project, a lot of lessons learned. Uh, it took me about a year to really familiarize myself with the language at Intel. I, can I, I, I'm going to call it acronym. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You can I, use uh, there's, uh, a, there's no ratings on this show, <laughs> Tiffany. You can, you can okay, drop anything you want. All right, perfect. This acronym hell. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so just walking into one of the meetings, the way that they were speaking, I probably, I could understand it is the you, he, she, but outside of that, they were talking in pure acronyms. I'd never seen anything like it before you, in my you life. You needed a doctorate just in language skills. <laughs> exactly, and, yeah. exactly. So I did that uh, but finally. You were, but, but so what, 
during that tenure at Intel, did was it their pressure or an internal, like an intrinsic motivation for you that would you we, to go back to school for your master's or both? I think it was it, it was definitely internal pressure for me because okay. one I knew that if I had proven myself, I was meeting my goals and. Um, doing what I was supposed to be doing that Intel was going to pay for the program. Got it. And but I did have to prove myself first and make sure that whatever program it was that I was going after was going to be well suited for Intel's requirements and needs. Okay. Um so I was trying to decide between going back for an MBA or going back for my master's in construction. If I went back for my MBA, they were not going to support it. But if I went for my master's in construction, they would. And honestly, it didn't matter to me. I, I really was passionate about school and learning. And I was excited to go back. And, and construction was what I was doing. And it made sense. And when I look back on it, it made logical sense for that to be my path. Let me go tangential on you for a minute, because I haven't gotten into this discussion in a while. Um, I never finished my my master's program. But I am curious to hear through your eyes what what was the difference between graduate school and undergrad for you? Well I mean that the audience would be interested in. I will tell you that are you talking about in terms of the program or just me personally? More personally. Okay. I don't so care about no offense, I don't care about the program. What I'm trying to do is resonate with the audience of when because there's also this, think of all the the young people that we impact right now, right, and you know, there's 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 a lot of consternation, if you will, about undergrad, graduate, you know, where we are in the paradigm of of things that that we do in our industry now. So I'm kind of going backwards of basically, Tiffany, is it worth it? Oh. And what are the things that were good and or negative about the difference between undergrad to grad? Uh, I do feel like. That my my end all be all when mm -hmm. I'm done doing what I'm going to do, I want to teach. And oh. so I knew that I needed my master's program for what my end path was. And so for me, it was a requirement. Got it. Um, but you had that planned out. So that, that's different. I, I did. Yeah. It was that was in the grand scheme of things. My retirement plan is to, you know, kind of hang out on a beach somewhere and maybe travel around and do some uh, some teaching for um, maybe ASU or another amazing college out there and 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 be able to share my knowledge, everything that I've gained, my knowledge and experience. Um, so yeah, it was more of a, I'm in a position now where I know I have some financial support in order yeah. to obtain it. And I know that it's an end goal of mine for what it is that I need to accomplish. So for me, it wasn't really a matter of should I do it or should I not? It was, I need to get this Yeah, done. it was on your path. Okay. Correct. Um, there was a lot that I took away from it, though, uh, in terms of some of the programs and the courses that I did take. Alan Chasey, who used to be the dean there for Ira A. Fulton uh, several years ago, he retired actually the same year that I graduated, uh, was very passionate about uh, especially getting women into construction and engineering and helping to ensure that the path was appropriate and I'd sit down with him. He, he was an amazing mentor as well and talked to him about kind of what my what my goals were and what my plans were. And uh, he taught us a couple of significant courses that uh, really helped me align with someday I wanna own my own business and that this is the right move. And I think that when you're taking a master's program, if the intent is that you have an entrepreneurial spirit and that you know mm -hmm. at some point that you are going to dive into this on your own, um, it does take you to that next level of uh, business management and leadership and um, the difference between management and leadership and how can you do both effectively. And that is what I took from it. Got and it. I think that was substantial. No, and thank you for that inflection because I, I think you paraphrased it really well. If you're just going for the degree, I think you're in the wrong spot in, exactly. in, in today's world. I mean, when we were younger, yes, that was still appropriate. Um, I, my takeaway that I always tell people is I finally learned how to learn. In other words, I faked it through undergrad, but at grad school, uh, I, I learned how to learn to where, but it was for me. Yep. I didn't care about the degree on the wall. I think that was fair. And that's too. why I never finished too, because I was like, hold it. If I can just learn and apply it to what I am in my new, like you were at Intel. I know when I did it, I was going through another career change where I was at an organization that they weren't supportive of it, but I knew that it was part of my journey. Right. right. Yep. So I, yep. this is a testament that again, for, for the audience sake is do it for you. Don't do it for the external drivers because you're going to come up short. 
I don't think that there's anybody today, at least not that I'm aware of, that genuinely looks at a resume and says that I'm going to hire this person over this person no. with experience versus the individual that has the master's program. Agreed. I am looking for something so much more than the education that you have uh, as a hiring manager myself. Um, I think that having the degree uh, has to be more for you than it does for for you and for what your future holds than it does for you seeking out or thinking that you're going to be one step ahead of your peers. Well stated. Yeah. So um, we're going to, I think it's the perfect kind of time in the segue. So let me kind of paint a picture for everyone and for yourself because we're, we're going to go down about three different avenues here, because but they're all dovetailed. So here's Tiffany. She's kicking butt at Intel. Here's Stephanie. She's kicking butt and getting her master's. And um, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it, the empowerment of the women, because when we first started this podcast, one of the things we want to do is get the women in construction. Luckily, I've had a ton of the people that you commiserate with and collaborate with <laughs> on the show before. Um, we don't need to mention all the names, but but, but wonderful women in construction that, that have sat in that same chair. We've talked about a number of things. And I do want to take a moment to say, I think what you guys are doing and get what you gals are doing and the support that you're getting here in the Phoenix market is is I wouldn't say unparalleled, but I don't see it in a lot of other um, business sectors around the country in our AEC space. So I think, you know, ASU, yes, did a great job of, of collaborating, but then the groups that, that, that started and support this and how cohesive they are um, and how they inter, intermix even with everything, like think of NAWIC and all these kind of formal right. things, mm -hmm. but how they intermix with ABA or NAOP or, you know, CBRE, or we could go on and on and on, or, right. you know, all those different things that deal with where we play in the commercial real estate space, architecture, engineering, right. um, just, just kudos to that. So then on top of all that, then Tiffany's sitting there, I'm sure she's got a half baked in her head and her heart is, well, it's time for me to go on my own. <laughs> Well, not yet. Okay, not yet. Not yet. So take me back and then let's let's transition we'll to that. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. So um, I met Intel and again I met that space or I'm in that space in my mind where I feel like I have gained all that I'm going to gain or all that I'm passionate about gaining here at Intel and I'm ready for my next step. Um, I was interviewing with a couple other organizations, um, one being Facebook at the time. So oh, they wow. were they were looking for a uh, international site selection manager. Pretty big deal. Um, I was also interviewing with Google. Um, at the time, they were looking for a Southwest Territory manager for Google implementation, the Google Fiber implementation. Oh, the Fiber, okay. Right. And uh, oddly enough, I was having conversations with Dave Reese at Platinum Homes. Yeah. Um, and he was looking to retire. And so, so were, you, were you basically the succession plan then? That was where what the intention was. Wow. Yes, yes. Wow. So we were having kind conversations. He, again, uh, amazing mentor. And I, I did genuinely believe sitting down and talking to him about this path, you know, it, it was definitely an option on the table. And so I did some very thorough interviewing with all three. Um, I looked at kind of the pros and cons of all of the options with San Francisco, oh, sorry, with Facebook, I would have to relocate to San Francisco. Um, with Google, I was going to have to relocate to Irvine. Uh, with Platinum, I was going to get to stay here and enjoy, you know, Arizona and, and not be subjected to, uh, to California. <laughs> well, um, well stated. <laughs> I'm trying to be sensitive. Well, we're there. not politically correct on this show, so don't worry. <laughs> okay. There comes a time when dreams become a reality, when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from. And we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. Um, so, um, 
and I had a family to think about at the yeah. time I was married with, you know, two children. Right. And uh, I was going to have to uproot them from their schools. And, you know, my husband would have had to search for another job, which he did. He was going out and interviewing and looking at opportunities in both Irvine and San Francisco. And, you know, after some moments of uh, my own come to Jesus and and really thinking about what my future looked like, I uh, was super excited about getting involved with leadership and ownership of the company, and I felt that Platinum was the way to go. Okay. Um, it was comfortable. Uh, you knew I wasn't, it? Yeah. I knew it, and I was not going to have to relocate. Um, and I was moving in as the you know president of the company with the option to buy him out over the course of uh, about a five-year period of time okay so that's what I did I moved into that role and um, you know I I, I, sh- I want to be careful about how I say this I remembered why I left in the first place so ultimately and what I mean by that is the residential real estate market is so emotional it is so these people have been saving their whole lives to build this beautiful, magnificent home. It's their dream home. And the amount of attention and detail that is required to go into that in order to ensure it's successful is substantial. Mm-hmm. And you you can't falter in any way. Yeah. And uh, and these people will hold you accountable for it. And it's, it's not that I felt like I was faltering. It's just a lot. It's a heavy weight to carry um, at all times, all days. It's all you're thinking about. You're at home on your weekends and you can't take a break because you know that you've got appliance selections that are due first thing Monday morning. And if you don't get the appliance selection sent in, then, you know, this is going to fall apart or this is going to fall apart. So those things are constantly weighing on you. And you know, training individuals to be successful in that uh, type of market is very, very difficult as well. Um, it, it's not that you can't do it. It's just, it, it, it's again a heavy lift. So from a leadership standpoint, I wasn't coming in and managing projects at this point, but I was coming in and trying to help train individuals how to be successful in this world. And we had a couple of really amazing individuals there that, uh, that, I mean, they're still there, and they, they're phenomenal. They do a great job. It's where they belong. It's where they're passionate. It's what they do. Um, after watching them and me being back in that world, it wasn't, what, it wasn't what I was meant to do. And so I was there for almost two years, and um, it was at the, this time that I had to make the decision as to whether or not I was going to buy into the company. And... When it all came down to it, I had uh, spent a lot of time thinking about developing my own firm and going into Mm. commercial construction only and leaving the residential portion behind. And that's what I decided to do. So Sharp was born. Just like that. Just like that. Just drop that baby right (laughs) on the table. Exactly. Yes. But I'm trying to think. So that was about, what was that, 17? That was in 2017. So if I go back, I think I remember when you started, but whatever you did, you did it successfully because you made an immediate impact. Do you remember how you did that? Because even like as a nascent guy like me over on the sideline, I'm like, oh, that I remember when, when Sharp Construction started. I mean, you were everywhere. So you had a formidable plan either marketing-wise or, or something, brand, brand recognition. I think that's uh, – the brand was huge. Um and I spent a lot of time going out and getting to know who's the who in the market. Uh, I was in these the NAOP Developing Leaders yep. Club, and um, I shouldn't say club, but the group. Uh, I ended up getting heavily involved in NAOP. I was going to IFMA events and ABA events and um, basically trying to find out what are the organizations where everybody's running around. And, you know, I went to some of the ULI events, et cetera. And I uh, just tried to invest my time in networking well um, and trying to build strong relationships. I think you did it very well. With that, it was also about making promises and delivering on the promises that you're it's making. It's a novel concept, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, do what you say and say what you do. Um, 
So I, I started small. Yep. I wanted to just bring on a couple customers, bid on the work and perform the work and make sure that we were doing it well. Uh, we kicked off our first project January 15th. It was a small tenant improvement um, for CBRE that it was at McDowell Mountain Medical uh, up there off of Shea and the 101. Oh yeah, sure. And um, it was a dermatologist office. It, I, I can't say that it was super easy because, again, at this time, we're still building processes. We're, I think I had three employees. <laughs> it's me and like two or three other people. Um, and I mean, it was still fun, though. This was the creative time. Yeah. Like we're, we're in creation. Um, and we made it happen and we finished the project and everybody was happy and then we were on to the next project and before I know it, uh, I had made a really amazing connection with Michelle Hebes. Are you familiar? Know her name, yes. Okay. Um, and she made an introduction to the group down at University of Phoenix. Uh, University of Phoenix was looking for another general contractor to come in and do a full renovation. So it was, I want to say, 22 floors across the three buildings that are right there off of the 10 and 32nd Street, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think it's 32nd. I think you're right. Well, it's where university turns into whatever Correct. right there. And so uh, the intention was that their folks are still going to be 100% operational during the day there. And they wanted somebody to come in at night from about 5 p.m. until about 6 o'clock in the morning and work all night shifts plus 24-hour shifts on the weekends in order to do a full renovation of uh, 22 floors that were about 30,000 square foot each um, plus I think it was 44 restrooms and 21 break rooms at the time. And we did that what in 12 weeks. What the hell weeks. were you thinking? 12 weeks. I know. Is that not a, it was unbelievable. So that's the project that everybody that, that kind of looked catalyst. at. That was your catalyst. Correct. Okay. And that was my, everything that I did on that project, I was pulling my learnings from Intel because we were flipping 120,000 square foot space in between six to eight weeks. And so the everything that I was doing with our tenant improvement, I had shifted when I was at Intel from the um, clean room, new construction side into tool install for a couple of years. And then I went from tool install into interior renovations and renovated the entire campus. So is it all based on a lean Six Sigma type thing mentality or, or uh, more or less or what? Uh, it's a, it was based on an, are, are you familiar with IPD? Yes. So they had this kind of a IPD contractual structure and that we brought everybody to the table and we weren't changing partners or switching anything. It yep. was the same team and we were moving from one space to the next space. So we'd finish one floor yep. and then, yep, what did we do good? Let's do that again. What could we improve upon? And then you just see conti constant continuous improvement so that we could shorten the durations over a period of time. Right. So integrated project delivery. Exactly. Yep. For the yep. people that... I since we started the show with bashing Intel for their acronyms, we, <laughs> we, we should, probably should. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Integrated project yeah. delivery. Um, yeah, so we basically brought so that everybody. That was really, you, I mean, Sharp just went like that at that point. We did. And that, I mean, that, was that our, makes sense. That was a large, large project for us, and it really put our uh, name on the board. Uh, we still have essentially a JOC contract with University of oh, Phoenix nice. and do most of their work and uh, have held a strong relationship with them ever since. And, and that's part of it, too, is really trying to make sure that you take care of your customers and that you manage that relationship and, you know, you continue to carry it forward in a positive way. Uh, because everyone's a repeat possibility, right? So let's go down the avenue of your woman. You own a construction company in Phoenix. Um, I'll preface it by saying that it's it's funny because when I look at your organization and I look at your reputation, it's not, oh, Sharp Construction is the best woman-owned construction company. You get the accolades, whether it's man, woman, black, white. You know, I'm, I'm just saying, quit right. putting the adverbs and the adjectives in there, right. and just say like you built your reputation on this. The caveat, though, is when everyone peels it back, 
I've known a lot of people that have behind the scenes talked about you behind your back in a positive way going, yeah, but the cool part is she's a woman and she did all this and she owns this and blah, blah, blah. What are, what are the trials and tribulations that you went through for that? You know, I'm going to say that the, the industry is so different today than it was 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that, it's very welcoming. Uh, Truly? They're very much so. Okay. And I'm not sugarcoating it. Um, there are, and, and who knows, maybe there's comments or things that happen behind your back or whatever the case may be, but uh, I've had to earn respect in in my role. Yeah. And uh, I'll use Intel as an example. There were, um, I was thrown into a group of all men and I was the only female. And, and you came out the alpha. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that they initially, you know, Initially, I do believe that they looked at me like, gosh, what a waste of our time. Like Intel's chasing after this whole diversity thing and thinks they should be bringing women into construction. And, you know, these are men that have been there for 30 plus years and they just wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, they looked at you as a quota, quota <laughs> check, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, but I think over the course of a solid year or two, I started to show my value and prove myself. And, you know, by the time that I left, I, I genuinely, truly believe that, I mean, these these men were my mentors and I know that they valued me. They saw me as an asset and, and that they probably would have been ashamed of what their original thoughts were about me at the time. And, it was well stated. And I think that that's um, something that I've just had to do throughout my career is uh is prove myself and i'm now in the position where i feel like you know what i've gone through the time you know for the last 20 years i've proved myself mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be sharp construction and we wouldn't be still standing after six years if we didn't know what we were doing yeah. and and we're not able to hold a, yeah, a the, valuable construction conversation the, the patience and forgiveness <laughs> factor in our industry is about zero right <laughs> Exactly. There's no, there's no safety net. There's no fail safe. If you fail, you fail. Right. But if you succeed, you succeed too. That's right. Yeah. And I don't feel like there's anybody there that's holding me back or pushing me down. Um, everyone has been very gracious, especially when I entered. I think they were excited, uh, excited to see something different, yeah. and excited to see, you know, a, a woman come in and 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 do something special. And and it's worked. It's been it's been great. All right, so let's talk on that. It just props this up brilliantly. Why girls can build. So tell me about how it started, what it represents, where you're going with it, who's involved. Okay. Um, let's get some exposure to that to our marketplace. I love it. Uh, so girls can build actually began with the conversation at the Henry. I think most. <laughs> most. Jeez, there's a shocker. <laughs> a know. business deal in Phoenix done at the Henry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the um, world's biggest incubator that doesn't get paid for it. We were sitting down and we were talking to uh, some lovely ladies at Girl Scouts. Oh. And with that, we were, com I mean, it, it just kind of like, we had this beautiful conversation and it unfolded and we even named, we were just thinking about an initiative, like, cause we wanted to do something fun for the girls at Girl Scouts. And uh, we came up with ideas like build to build or uh, girls can build. And I, I mean, we literally left the table with this initiative and this idea and already had named it Girls Can Build and then had a couple other mm. intentional meetings that we were planning for who we were going to get involved. Um, it unfolded from there where we kind of created our first project. And the first project was this mobile workshop concept that we're in the process of constructing right now. Um, the mobile workshop is uh, essentially a, a large vehicle that is being interior, the interior is being fit out so that um, children can walk through it, grab materials, learning modules um, and tools, and then walk out and have workstations set up for the different learning modules that they're doing. So kind of like Saturday morning at Home Depot on steroids, es but, essentially. But, but with more direction. Right. Okay. And uh, at the time, I was also having conversations with ASU. So we brought Mark Naveau in, who is one of our partners for uh, Girls Can Build, and he's been in charge largely of building and developing the edu education modules in partnership with Girl Scouts. Oh. And so 
Girl Scouts is, uh, we've got a couple people on the team there that are coming up with these learning modules that will suit these children in specific age ranges, um, but also identify patch opportunities for them. What, Tiffany, can you go a little deeper on that? Like, what is that? Give me some examples of what does that look like so the audience can relate to it. So uh, some of them, I mean, we're going to have learning modules that teach them what tools are and what they're used for and how they oh, operate. Okay. Uh, we'll have modules that will teach them safety and Good what one. they need to be thinking about when they're utilizing these types of tools. Uh, we'll have projects, small projects that where they're using maybe a circular saw and some wood and we'll have to be able to perform uh, the the project from beginning to end given some specific requirements that'll be set up. Um, also learning like foundational language in uh, the engineering, the architecture and the construction trades. Mm. So uh, basically trying to set a foundation for them just in general. And what are the tools that are used? What are the, uh, what's the language? Looking at a set of drawings and being able to understand how to maybe read a set of drawings or construction drawings from a, you know, on more of an elementary level, Got right? But having some progression too. So being able to say, okay, well, here's module one of reading a set of construction drawings. And then when they're ready to go to the next phase or the next stage, having having another opportunity there. Um, We're looking at building some fun uh, videos where maybe they're being walked through uh, projects and concepts based on uh, somebody in a video that's kind of showing them and talking through it with them, et cetera. Um, so that that is the project one. Uh, project two. Where, again, where are you? Okay, so everything you just described, where do you feel you're at with project one? Uh, so we're hot in the middle of construction of okay, it right now. Thank you. It's The design is essentially complete. Uh, we just got the vehicle back from the... Um, from the dealership in which they okay. were modifying equipment, mechanical and electrical equipment inside of it to suit some of the needs. So we're gonna put a solar system in this. Nice. Uh, we are going to fit it up with mill work and it'll be like a modular system that will be able to hold all of the different learning modules and tools and materials and um, have a canopy on the exterior side of it with some fun lighting. Nice. Uh, putting some branding and fun stuff all around. How it. did you, um, if you don't mind me asking, did you get s- did you get donations, underwriters, um, ASU? Like, great who, question. Who, who, who created the wealth other than Tiffany here? So we've been <laughs> fundraising for this for the last, uh, I want to say, year and a half at this point. Um, we have five committees, and each committee has probably. I want to say between five to 10 people on it. In total, I think the last time that we took count, we had about 40 committee members. Holy cow. Um, so the committees were really separated by, we had the design and architectural committee. We had the um, learning and education committee, right. the marketing and social media committee, the fundraising committee, and then the leads committee. And so there was somebody that was in each of those four committees that was the lead. And then we would have the leads committee that would basically bring all the updates for everybody involved. Makes sense. Right. Okay. Um, so it has worked out very, 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 very well. And, uh, and we've had a, a, an amazing amount of, I will say, personal donations. Um, we've held a couple large and significant events, so personal donations from the events. We've also had several corporate uh, and small business donations. That's nice. Uh, but we've also had, I want to say, three or four substantial grants that have been provided for it. Nice. There comes a time when dreams become a reality when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from. And we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, Trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time.
Uh, all in all, I believe we've raised $250,000 to support it in about a year and a half. Impressive. Thank you. So you were, before I cut you off, you're going to project two or the next phase. What does that look like? Okay, so project two is that uh, I'm actually writing a book. Oh, <laughs> in your spare time. <laughs> I, exactly. And what little spare time I have. It's a series. Yeah. Um, so book one, I've named it after my daughter and her best friend. It's The Adventures of Novia Marley. And book one's called The Wander Tree House. Nice. And so it's... Uh, it's supposed to be an educational series that will essentially, again, teach these uh, children the basics of, and fundamentals of going about the idea of designing, engineering, and constructing something. And so the first book, The Wander Treehouse, is about two girls getting inspired to uh, build their own treehouse. And the treehouse... Um, they go through the entire process of like, oh, getting excited about different ideas. What do they want to, what do they want to put in it? And then they have to get a little bit more logical and like start to actually put it down on paper. And well, we probably can't fit that, or we probably can't afford that, or we probably, you know, going yeah. through that whole process. And then going about how are they going to get the materials? And so they're running around to neighbors' houses and digging in their garage and asking for donations. Stealing and out of the mom's <laughs> dumpster. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and hey, my mom was a construction company. We can just thieve it from her. <laughs> for the engineering portion, we dive into how are they going to be able to support this treehouse? What's the support look like and what do they need to think about? We go into uh, the idea of a pulley system. So how are they going to engineer and build a pulley system so that they can get materials from the bottom to the top? Um, and then it essentially leads into book two. Okay. And book two is called The Enchanted Garden. And uh, towards the end, w while they're digging for things in book one, they find a key. And uh, they want to understand where this key goes. And the key, at the end of book two, the key essentially takes them to a door that has gears on it, oh. which is the entry to an enchanted garden where they're going to meet a mentor that will be the mentor for the rest of the series. Mm. And so... That's you. You get where I'm going with this. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's cute. Well, what I think, you know, I, I know we've only been on for mm -hmm. together for 40 minutes or so, but when I hear you and listen to the story, you're just basically kind of effectuating what you had wanted to do. Remember early on, we said, "Hey, I knew at one point I wanted to teach." Oh, well, this I, is true. I, it's like funny. <laughs> I, I see you unraveling the onion yeah. in front of me, going, "Well, I did all these things, and now I'm starting to. I can start peeling these blossoms off the onion, quote unquote." And it's cool to see. Um, so I've always said that I want, I mean, even if I dig down uh, with my team, and I just talked about this recently, I want everybody that I work with to know exactly like what I know and more. And I want to put mm -hmm. them in a position to learn. And I don't harbor things. I don't keep things from people. Like if I have a way to solve a problem or I have ideas or I have some form of knowledge and I can teach them, then I, I want to. I want to right. share all of my knowledge and make sure they can gain additional from there. Well stated. Back to the book thing. Yeah. Would you see that expanding then? So my, what's your dream there? My hope for the book um, is that I, I would like to fundraise uh, some capital in order to print as much of the as many of these books as I possibly can and get them in educational facilities and libraries across the nation. Okay. Well, um, here's your here's your pitch. Dolly Parton's <laughs> listening. She could help exactly. <laughs> whatever her thing was that book thing. I I just want to make sure that I can get the book into the hands of kids between the ages of eight to twelve, actually seven to twelve. Um, and inspire them about career options. Something nice. fun that I'm doing at the back of the in the back of the book is a introduction to an architect in the language of like an eight to twelve year old. How are they going to be able to understand what an architect does from there? And I've been posting these on our Girls Can Build uh, LinkedIn site. So if you go on to LinkedIn and search Girls Can Build. I think I have one there for a civil engineer right now. I have one there for an introduction to an architecture and a construction project manager. And so the there will be a glossary of terms as well as an introduction to career options in the back of the book okay. that'll always be in the back of all the books. 
I think an obvious question that I want to ask that I think a lot of the audience would be, it's like, okay, Tiffany, wonderful job setting this up, wonderful that its girls can build it is kind of the ethos behind it. But I see it expanding to much more than just girls, right? It's honestly, it's, it's kind I mean, of open these, to these, everyone. These books are something that uh, it's not going to be uncomfortable for a young boy to right. read, right? There are, you know, the the initiative that we had with Girl Scouts uh, that focuses genuinely on on just females because that um, mobile workshop is going to be traveling around with Girl Scouts to all of which the makes group. sense exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay, um, but. I mean, it is girls can build, but obviously I'm not necessarily shying away from, you know, young boys wanting to learn about construction. It's just more that we have a labor challenge in our industry. (laughs) Exactly. And there is a a massive gap in the amount of women that have joined our industry versus the amount of women that are actually in the workplace or the workforce. Um, So I think we have a lot of opportunity there to at least show them that there are genuine, real, great, uh, well-paying opportunities in the construction, um, engineering, and architectural realms, uh, and that you know we're gonna break down some barriers here and and destroy a few stereotypes that I genuinely don't really believe exist as much as maybe they did 20 plus years ago. I think that's well stated. Uh, let me ask you a question: Is there because you're in the in you know looking under the hood of this day in and day out, it, is ASU NAU is anyone being transformative with the intent to have women and minorities in these types of programs? Um, I, I just don't see it because I'm removed from it. But do do you see that they've made a concerted effort there? I do because I think that there is, especially with ASU, I'm not involved with um, many of the other colleges okay. at this time. Although just, I hope okay, to. use ASU yeah. as an example. Um, there's a focus on diversity. Okay, and so. I do think that they have programs specifically aligned in trying to uh, help break down some of those diversity issues. Okay. And and ASU is one of our strong partners with Girls Can Build, right? Uh, I guess I kind of wanted to ask you what, we we got away from this, but what's new and upcoming with, with Sharp Construction? Sharp construction. So we've been growing, um, yeah, and, <laughs> and 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 with growth means another level of leadership, right? So we're right at that stage right now where um, you know we need to bring in some powerful leadership to make sure that uh, the people that we I, I'm I'm famous for saying this I know it but we <laughs> have the right people doing the right things at the right time right and um, that that's what makes us successful um, and so. I can't manage all of that personally myself as much as I would definitely like to be as involved as I can with my entire team and all the projects that we're on. And so I need to make sure that they have the the right uh, support and leadership and mentorship in place. And uh, that's what we've been doing right now. Um, I am looking to bring in a VP of operations and I'm in talks with a couple people. So that'll probably be the biggest substantial change that we make over the course of the next, I wanna say six months. Um, We have an amazing general superintendent that has uh, joined us over the last year that actually he just hit his year anniversary. Um, And he's he's really taken the field by storm and uh, managing all of the guys in the field and helping to train them on schedules and making sure that nobody's sitting out there siloed and yeah. that they that they're running projects successfully and that they that they have the support. Um, but without putting in this next level of leadership, I think that it it uh, makes us stagnant. And so, uh, in order for us to grow, we've got to grow internally as well. Um, Are you being asked? And I, I think you you frame that very well. We all struggle with that as leaders, you know. How how do we grow? How fast do we grow? And all those kind of things. Yeah. With that, though, have you have you found your need or desire or the clients asked to go into different verticals now with Sharp Construction? Are you guys staying close to your core competencies? We are yes and yes. And so... <laughs> 
<laughs> the best way to say that is that uh, we have ventured out a little bit yeah. in that we've been chasing after public works projects. Oh. Uh, we have a couple large projects JOC going on with the- in particular? We're, we're gonna chase after JOC. I mean, that's where we wanna start. We got to build some rapport, Um, but we are uh, currently doing a couple projects with the Department of Veterans Affairs, one down in Mariana and one up in Navajo and Flagstaff. Um, So that's our first real jump out of private work and into public work. Um, But that's going to be a a huge focus for us over the course of the next, I want to say, two to three years. Um, From the tenant improvement side and the private side, we have a project executive that mans the tenant improvements. We, Our team has just done a phenomenal job in that environment, and we have zero intention of letting that go. Uh, that is our baby. We'll continue to, uh, to take care of the baby um, while we maybe look at a couple opportunities that might make sense for us. Good job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't say enough good about uh, your, you know, your reputation and our business out there, so... I, for you not to say that, I, hell, I'd say it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you. What, um, you know, we didn't talk, uh, we started in the beginning talking about you, but what else do you do for fun? What else do I do for fun? Can't well, right just work now, all the time. Right now, it's uh, writing a book. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing a whole bunch of strategic planning for 2024 for Sharp Construction. Outside of that, I love to uh, ride bikes, which I'm not doing right now okay. in the summer. Um, hiking as well, which I'm not doing right now. How old are your kids now? Um, I have a, my son will be 16 okay. here in like exactly two weeks. And uh, my daughter is nine. She'll be 10 in November. Oh, okay. And you know what happens with 16, right? I mean, I'm already getting harped on about a How's car. the car? And and exactly. <laughs> a car and driver's license. And we have a requirement. He has to pass two of their practice exams online before I will take him to the DMV. There is no way. I'm going to go sit in the DMV for two or three hours. <laughs> Come on, Mom. <laughs> no. An exercise in futility. Exactly. Um. I really can't think of anything else. Is well, is there is there any question that I haven't asked that you think I should have, or that would be befitting for the audience of Mac and Blue, either about you? Um, I have one. Yeah, go ahead. Just because we're out there uh, searching for it right now, if there is anybody else that is passionate about uh, the Girls Can Build initiative mm-hmm. and would like to get involved or volunteer, then I would ask them to reach out to us and uh, and let us know because we are definitely looking for volunteers right now. We have a couple other initiatives and ideas and projects that we're going to venture towards that I did not list that okay. uh, we could use some people that are passionate about grant writing and passionate about um, just fundraising and event planning and and all sorts of things of that nature. And if anybody has any fun ideas of how Girls Can Build can either partner with one of our organizations or get more involved with with commercial real estate, then I I would love to hear that as well. I think that's a tremendous call out and we'll do our best on the show to to get that message out there. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Tiffany, and uh, just it's been a pleasure to have you. I, I love what you've done with your business, and and equally important, I love what you've done for the advocacy of, of women in construction, um, you know, across all things, architecture, engineering, all of it. So um, for those of you that want to reach out to Tiffany, I, I like everything, reach out on LinkedIn. I'm sure she'd be more than happy to accept your invitation Perfect. and connect with her. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Mac and Blue Show, brought to you by Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to the Mac and Blue podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow JJ Levensky on LinkedIn and Instagram. Tune in every Monday 